0: so welcome to the first podcast in the series owning tomorrow how would you feel if you achieved results exactly as you planned them? my guest darren mass tells the story of how he started his company with the plan of selling it 10 years later for 40 million dollars 10 years to the day december 19th
1: 2020
0: 2017 2017 he did exactly that sure The date had been set for some time in September, but with the Jewish holidays, Thanksgiving, and so on, the deal ended closing exactly 10 years from the date he made that plan. Coincidence? Maybe. But it isn't the only time Darren has planned something and had it happened exactly as he had said it would. He is a prime example of a leader who, when he says something, it happens, and believes it as well welcome darren how are Thank you doing you today? very much for having me so let's start why don't you explain a little bit about how you started the company and what exactly happened in terms of planning that ultimate sale at 40 million dollars
1: sure i come from a line of entrepreneurs from my grandfather and my father and my uncle so i always knew that one day i would not be able to work for a boss Uh, And I had aspirations of having my own company. And that started when I was nine. And I noticed the cleaning people needed extra work that were uh, coming every few weeks to my house. So I created flyers for them and published them around the neighborhood. Um, I didn't really have much success with that uh, because now that I think back, it was in that creepy cutout newspaper, psychopath Uh, type. And this predates all of the fonts and uh, the the type Uh of uh, technologies. Um, but and, but you, didn't,
0: you didn't go bankrupt. You didn't go bankrupt.
1: Well, starting off at zero and ending at zero, I'd say that yes. was a pretty good success.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Every entrepreneur has to fail at least once.
1: Yeah, that's right. But it was a good learning lesson. And I think I learned how to uh, quick, quickly quit uh, if it wasn't working and, and pivot onto something else. Um, but you know, when I got to college, I realized that I, I just wanted to do something on my own. I had some great mentors in my life and they they took me under their wing and they showed me, you know, the corporate America approach to doing things. And and they taught me the the right way to either troubleshoot or work with customers and and how to kind of have that softer edge when the customer is always right. And one day I just had my epiphany. It was December 19th in 2007. I woke up at 206 a.m. had an idea. It was going to be a telecom company and I had a name for the telecom company instantly. It was mass communications. And I said the words out loud. I said, that's an amazing name for a telecom company. And it's my last name. Hey, right. Exactly. Now that I have the name, I can't go back. I have to do this. So fast forward, I, I reached out to what would have been my, or what were my two partners. And we grew the company for 10 years. And as you had mentioned, by happen circumstance, we closed and signed the stock purchase agreement for sale of our company exactly 10 years later to the date. But the crazy part is when I wrote my business plan on December 19th, 2007, I started with the exit strategy, had the cover page, mass communications, had a slogan and, and the mantra and all that. And then the first paragraph on the next page is exit strategy. I don't know why I did that at the time. I didn't put any thought to it. Uh, maybe it was just natural for me to know if I'm going to run a race where the finish line was, mm-hmm. but I did that. And it was a few sentences and it said something like, sell company for $40 million in 10 years to, and then I named the company we'd sell to. And it just so happens to be that the company that acquired us had also acquired the son- the company that I had put in that business plan 10 years later. So Fascinating. I don't know if that's circumstance or coincidence or not, but the date was not picked by me, as you had mentioned, there were holidays that came in, there was lots of jumbling that needed to happen, some regulatory pushback, and then all of a sudden they picked that date. So it was quite awesome to, uh, to realize that experience.
0: And, and when they picked that date, what did you say? Or did you keep it to yourself?
1: So, no, I ran to my partner, David Schwed in his office and I was like, dude, do you remember the business plan? And he's like, yeah, I'm like, I had it in my hand. I'm like, this business plan? read that first paragraph and he looked at me he's like unbelievable like those things don't really happen very often but it it was kismet it was besherit it was whatever you want to call it i've always had those deja vu moments and i I realize all the scientific you know explanations behind deja vu but me i i don't know how to explain certain situations have you ever had a scenario where you haven't spoken to somebody in a long time Mm -hmm. and the thought of I wonder what they're up to pops into your head. And then maybe within a very short amount of time, all of a sudden a text message, a phone call, or an email from that person. Right. That happens to me quite often.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, for instance,
1: the other day I turned to my wife, I'm like, I really miss watching Anthony Bourdain on TV. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, then within 10 minutes, it was an Anthony Bourdain commercial on TV for his for the new documentary. It's a small example, but lots of little scenarios like that happen to me and i guess as i get older i start recognizing them more
0: Mm -hmm. yeah
1: really crazy so it's i've had those scenarios happen quite often you know it's Mm -hmm. i don't know if it's just manifesting your own destiny or things are just well in tune and connected but it just happens and i think the more that you can pay attention to these little signs in life better your intuition can be. And you know, part of the things that I've been successful at is, is reading the tea leaves in that sense, or mm-hmm. reading patterns. And maybe okay. it's, life is filled with patterns, and life is cyclical, and you know, things do go up and down and ebb and flow, that as you do get older, you start recognizing these things. So maybe that's what it is.
0: There is some energy out there that we tap into. There is some universal energy. Uh, I've been going through yet another transformation. Um, where I really literally have experienced it, what it is, the energy. And I, I know you have in some ways, maybe not as consciously or as deliberately as I've gone about it. Uh, and I would like to talk about that for a second. Then there is simply the art of being open and vulnerable, which is somewhat connected to it and looking for signs, uh, but not going there going, oh my God, the signs, where are the signs, where are the signs? Because that's, I think, where they stop is that that state that you and i have talked about being in where the signs you just have to read them and you have to be able to see them and more importantly feel them
1: and i think most people get stuck most importantly accept mm -hmm. them sometimes you can't just change the path you can't course correct and i think very talented and some of the greatest leaders executives uh, ceos founders politicians they're able to flow with circumstance and pivot to Mm -hmm. another circumstance that's Mm -hmm. in in that flow and that that's what makes a better visionary in that sense it's not just trying to change the course of things but to kind of navigate them
0: yeah and they have uh you know some of the great leaders have lots of advisors good and bad uh and some of the but for the most part they tend to have lots of people swarming around them so you're getting tons of inputs and You know one reason why i wanted to talk to you is because i've come from a phase that was pretty dark COVID hit me pretty hard in my business uh in a way i didn't expect it to Um, i'm discovering there are quite a lot of people that that was true of in our position i.e coaches and so forth um and so i have had to consciously unravel it and in the course of it it really is i call it the serendipity of business or the serendipity of life is it is amazing what happens if you just are open and vulnerable and you don't try to check second-guess it. But we have also fears and beliefs about ourselves that will immediately start second-guessing if you start getting tense, if you start getting a little freaked out by it. Uh, one of the things that interests me about my story, or your story, sorry, is that you, um, you, you, you and others have mentioned the fact that you didn't think too much about it. You kind of just went through it. So given what we talked about, Tell me a little bit about reading trends and seeing the signs, because I think that's where often people get a little lost when they're yeah. lost.
1: So for me, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm the smartest person in the room. Uh, I never would have claimed to be, but my role as a good leader or a CEO was to surround themselves by the smartest people in the room. So mm-hmm. you know sometimes that means that if you're right or wrong you have to just go with someone else's opinion and you know sometimes you have to make those tough decisions and kind of you know allow somebody to have the leeway and pull it back and I think there's recognizable signs that are fairly black and white like you know you have to set up measurables and goals for every business strategy those signs would be lack of revenue or lack of success or sales, or you know some measurable that is quantifiable in a KPI for business. And then mm-hmm. others in life, maybe goals set for, let's say, you know, you, you play a sport, right? Mm-hmm. Black and white signs, things that are just clearly not working. And all too often, I think our ego and stubbornness get in the way and we're not looking for the signs that maybe we're not so good at something right? Or that we think at something i think for human beings especially now we care so much about what other people think of us we you know we we're on social media and we put up the best picture of us at the concert at you know in the front row meanwhile we had to walk up three flights right and if you're in that mentality you're missing the obvious signs that you're missing the mark or the goal And that's that's really the the guidance I've had on that is just Mm -hmm. don't worry about what other people think, worry about what's real and what's true and pay attention to the things that are working or not and setting up KPIs in that sense.
0: Yeah right? I don't have the
1: crystal ball. There's no there's no magical, you know, spirit that's saying, Oh, here's a sign, invest in this. No, that that doesn't happen. But you can look at human trends because at the end of the day, we all make mistakes daily whether or not we admit them is is personal right and we all do relatively the same patterns as the next person right so if you look at things in the stock market yes you'll hear the investors always you know the financial people always say that you know past performance doesn't indicate future sure. value and all that mm-hmm. but you can still glean a lot of experience from past performance history okay. does repeat itself so you know it's i guess that's the long-winded answer to saying I don't have a crystal ball, I just am in tune with my strengths and weaknesses and others as well, and I set up goals and and if I don't achieve those goals, I I see things not working out or they do.
0: Okay, so what happens when you don't achieve a goal? So we talked about the successes. What happens because, you know, we talk about fears, we talk about ego and so forth. And, you know, inevitably, if you're not in tune with failure, and accepting that as part of the journey, you could get yourself sidelined in terms of actually achieving the real important goal. So you hear the the watch phrase, uh, fail fast and fail often. Uh, That's, I find also for me, easier said than done because sometimes you can't even tell a failure even if you have revenue indicators and KPIs. So talk about that. that.
1: That's the ego part. If you can't tell that you're failing at someone, that's your ego getting in in your own way. So, you know, we've all heard the the quote failure is not an option. Absolutely true. If you're going to the moon, failure is not an <laughs> right, option. Exactly. But if you and we have business, failed a couple of times in space, so un- unfortunately, yes, yeah. But failure is an option, mm-hmm. especially in business. And it is true if you're going to fail, you want to fail fast, and you kind of want to fail big, so this way you there's no what ifs, right? Right. But not you know deploying a new product or service and not building revenue, you have a choice. You could pivot and try to course correct to either make a better product or service or figure out why it's failing, or you can realize you've got a dog. And if you can be honest with the fact that, all right, we tried this, it doesn't work, let's move on from whatever that product or services, that's better for the overall company, perhaps. Mm -hmm. All of this is very 10,000 foot overview, so I would give some clients advice that no, you can't fail that you invested so much time and energy and effort. Let's look right. at the plan and pivot versus an idea or a concept that's fast. So like I said, this is a higher level conversation, but not always true and actual in the real world, mm-hmm. but it, well, it does them take- back to failure being an ego thing. Um, and whoever has the biggest ego, whether or not they're relentless in continuing to move on or not. Right. I am a big believer in passion based businesses. Passion based businesses succeed and forget mm-hmm. the the monetary aspect. If you are enjoying what you do and you can make a living out of what you do, the money is second. You know, when I started my telecom business, that was my passion. Money mm-hmm. wasn't even thought to me. My right. passion was I loved the industry, I loved being an engineer, and I loved being a business owner. That was mm-hmm. my passion. But until the day it pivoted and it stopped being my passion and that's when I started becoming complacent like a lot of business owners and
0: mm-hmm. your face with
1: a tough decision in that sense and you know I wouldn't call it a failure decision but I had made the decision with my partners to sell the business because the passion or at least me personally was was dissipating mm-hmm. and that was in a way me you know the circle back being in tune with the tea leaves reading Mm -hmm. things that were out there and where the direction of the industry was going, where the sentiment of our clients were going and our employees and our growth Mm -hmm. and what it would take to get the next level, that I said that our best course of action is to sell. Hindsight, looking back, absolutely the best decision possible. Without a doubt, hands down, no regrets on the decision to sell our company. We would have been faced with COVID and what to do with a large staff and being a regulated utility with the inability to disconnect for non payment due to the regulation right. that came out. Right. Mm-hmm. We would have absolutely had the worst years of our lives personally, and we would have been bankrupt for sure. We were a small company with, you know, a certain amount of cash flow and we were reliant upon receivables. So and, and, if and I didn't make the decision to sell, that would have been very bad.
0: Did you forget about the timeline timeline yeah. you had set for yourself? Please <laughs>
1: Like most business owners, if you if you do write a business plan, it gets shelved somewhere and you maybe think about it every once in a while, but you probably don't, right? Yeah. The, the business plan idea was me understanding the basics of business 101, must write business plan. No, you don't have to do that. You, you don't have to have a business do that, yeah. And you start a business. Go for it. Poof. You can start a business in probably three minutes. Get an LLC mm-hmm. or a C corp or an S corp online. Right. Go get an EIN. That mm-hmm. entire process is a few minutes and a few forms.
0: Through This is a big topic I'd like to explore for about three or four minutes, is what does it mean to find the truth? Now, the fact that you woke up in the morning at some point and came up with mass communications, that's what I like to call an elegant solution. That's so elegant, so complete in itself, that you can't not see it for what it is, which is the truth, the fact that this meant was meant to be. But many people lose sight of that. Where are the the signs that you see a truth that you can act on? You've already talked about two or three of them. You know, the mass communications, the fact that you recognized you were getting lazy and complacent and it was time to sell, all those things. How do you see the truth or feel it is how I often.
1: Yeah, I I don't think you can see truth. Yeah, you feel truth. And to me, I won't say always, but my entire adult life. I've lived being honest, ethical, and truthful. Um, And even the partners that I brought on were honest and ethical. In fact, one of them was the most honest and ethical person I ever knew. That's why I wanted to be a partner with him. You know, what you put out comes back to you. And I've always felt that way. Not a religious thing, but just, I don't know. I just always felt that if you do right for others, they do right for you. And, you know, it kind of worked out. And for me... You feel truth because why lie about something? Why cover something up? Why, if you make a mistake, why not be vulnerable for a second? Well, the
0: first thing I noticed with you, I immediately understood you. And that, for me, tends to be a sign of truth. When I understand somebody, you know, and get what they're saying and are with them on it, that's a sign of a truth in terms of we're somehow connected. Which brings me to the last point. We both talked about it. Which is how the ego can get in the way, and the ego is definitely a defense mechanism for all these fears, many of which are still existential. Uh, I came to this realization earlier this week that fear is an illness. Fear is a chronic illness. That if you don't manage it, you can't get rid of fear, just as you can't often get rid of a chronic illness. But you learn how to live with it. You learn how to manage it, and you clearly have learned how to manage it. And the way we don't manage it well is this ego thing that we build around us, which in the days when the fears and the dangers to our lives were physical. Uh, worked pretty well. Uh, because this instant response of tigers running after me, I'm going to get eaten or, you know, a vehicle's coming towards me. I could get hit uh, and the adrenaline goes and you quickly, you know, some amazing things can happen when that happens. But in the day with which we're spending most of our time in front of the screen and a lot of the fears we have are now existential in some cases what i call irrational Uh, they can feed on themselves and uh what i realized is that fear may start in your mind but like any central nervous system related disease where it gets carried through the central nervous system like um um shingles like shingles or or MS, ms it can show up any place in your in your body You know, the obvious one is the stomach, where the stomach, and and I felt fear coming out of my stomach the other day, I was very tired, I just went a five hour workshop. And I was surprised because it was coming out of the stomach, and it was creeping its way up into my throat. And I just recognized it and let it go. And didn't let it bother me. What is your relationship to, to fear and to because fear, the problem with fear, and with it addiction to get through the fear, which we've discovered is a huge problem it's because it blinds us to the truth of what's
1: going on. So fear is extremely important. You know, you you know that we don't run from lions and tigers and bears anymore, right? Right. Most of us don't. That's just on the football field. Yeah, true, very true. Um, But fear is is humanly important. That's what keeps us alive, right? Mm -hmm. We will never be able to obfuscate And eradicate fear. It's so important. But then, as you said, there's irrational fears, right? It's more so than ever. We have created a whole bunch of irrational fears over the last two years, right? It's just societal fears are just, you know, very abundant. And it is what it is, right? Um, but you know, for for me, there's good fear and there's bad fear, fear of failure, but being okay with failure, right? You have to rationalize some of those fears removing the fear of vulnerability or embarrassment, um, as Patrick Lencioni said in his book, Getting Naked, uh, that's wildly critical for success. To be able to admit when you don't know something, or how many times have you been part of a conversation where someone's talking about an athlete and, and you just join in the conversation like you know what the heck they're talking about? I, on the other hand, would be like, yeah, I have no idea who that right. is. Yeah, right. <laughs> to be quite honest, I'm not even interested. We're talking about sports. Yay. Right. Yeah. So there's good fear. There's bad fear. And then fear can manifest, as you said, and radiate anywhere. Fear, fear can give you a nervous issue. Fear can give you a stomach issue. Fear can be you know, crippling. Stress is fear. And, and all of these things have been proven to take years off of our lives. Yeah. So there's really no great way to harness and, and you know, prevent the fear from coming in i'm fearful all the time right. just like everyone else because that's what keeps me alive right that's what keeps you alive but you also manage it well i manage it to the best that a human being can and a human being mm. being a very imperfect animal mm. right i still have those irrational fears i have i have children every time i leave the house there is a fear right there Right. There's a fear that they're going to ride and cross the street the wrong way or no, someone's mm-hmm. not going to be looking or pay attention or they'll get kidnapped. I mean, there are those fears which I can never get rid of. But that's mm-hmm. okay. OK. But then there's the irrational fears like, you know, um, there's going to be another pandemic and I'm going to cross, you know, go outside and I'm going to uh, get this and die. To me, that's a little more irrational because I have zero control over if this happens or doesn't. So mm-hmm. why should I waste any mind space on that? Why should I let that bother me? In fact, the way that I handled the pandemic along with my family was, okay, if we get this, we hope we don't and hopefully we'll be a survivor. But there's Mm -hmm. nothing I can do that's going to truly prevent it to a certain extent where I'm gonna bubble wrap my house, isolate, and then go stir crazy and insane, Mm -hmm. right? what everyone's reaction is totally the right reaction for them. For us, I rationalize this, I get on a highway, and I'm taking my life in my hands uncontrollably, because the majority of accidents are not your fault. So that was another rationality that I had with when it comes to fear. It's a super bug, I can't see it. I can't do that much about it. Sure, I'll put the mask on. But if it happens, it happens. Same so thing, you yeah You call it rationality.
0: I wonder if it's really rational though, because rational implies that the brain is somewhere in there, and maybe it is. But is there is there more of a surrendering? I discover that it's more about surrendering.
1: Yeah. So I would I would say a lot of what I'm talking about is in a way being a defeatist when it comes to okay. things that will hold okay. you back. Right. We can put a title on everything, and and you know, but. Mm-hmm. I'll accept that. I'm a defeatist when it comes to fear. I, I won't look fear in the face if it's something that I can't physically see or, or affect. Okay. Whereas the irrational side, I'm not afraid of spiders. Do I want spiders on me? Absolutely not. Right. But if right. a spider is on me, I'll flick it off. Some people are rippled by the sight right. or even the thought of a spider. Right. In fact, you can fact check this. I'm fairly certain spiders are the number one fear above death.
0: Ah, I think you may be right. Um, right. So so if that
1: is still the case, just think about how absurd that is. People and not to insult people that are afraid of spiders. I get it. But people are more afraid of being alive, but having a spider near them than they would of not being alive anymore. That to me, that, that is not a fear I will ever have. right Right? but i can understand why people have fears they just chose not to work hard at removing that fear and there's obviously strategies you can do to remove that fear but they chose not to so that's kind of how my mentality is with other things in life starting a business lots of people would find a ton of fears in that the failure in starting a business going backwards not having money losing money letting people down all of that is crippling, which is why the majority of people on this planet will never be an entrepreneur. For me, there wasn't even a hot second that I thought it would fail that I thought I would have an issue with my idea. I didn't even put an inkling of a thought into what happens if it fails, because I knew what's the worst case. I'll go find a job. I'm not dead because I failed at being an entrepreneur. It doesn't mean that I died. Right. Exactly. Telecom. Right. Mm -hmm. So so to me, that's how I rationalize or even don't even think about what fear will be out there, because I don't need a crippling fear to hold me back from reaching my goals and aspirations. Yeah.
0: And I think that comes with you, because the pivots I've made in my life uh, and I've talked to other people, too, about this, were really it was almost like I have no other choice. It's so obvious to me. Even when I've had people say, what, you went from being a musician, composer, to a businessman? How can you do that? It was like, I didn't really even think about it. It was always the plan B. And by the way, my plan A was not set in stone. I didn't set out to become a composer a musician. and musician. I just figured if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it in my 20s. And um, and I did it. And you know, all my friends were doing MBAs so it was the end of the 80s when it was the hot thing to do. And I was like... It wasn't even a question. I had, my, I had my GMATs that I had done several years, you know, pretty early at the age of 23, 24, always sort of waiting for that sign. And I failed really big at a big project, probably almost purposely. And I said, OK, so I failed at that. I should never have even done it. I'm not going to go into the details of it, but it was putting myself way as the failure. And I just said, OK, that was the sign. I almost manufactured the so sign. I said, Time to make that MBA application, and I made the MBA ca- calculation not once regretting it, and it's not like it went perfectly. But this has been awesome. Uh, I want to thank you, Darren. This has been really great. It may sound like we're getting esoteric, but I think these are the things that are the difference between leaders who say something and have it happen, and those who get stuck along the way and can't find the intestinal fortitude, i.e., can't release themselves of an ego and a fear-based approach that that need need our help often. And I, I love helping others. I love seeing the progress of some of my coaches that have just absolutely taken some taking, I would say near-death experiences, but certainly career and business costing events, and turn them around within six to twelve months and come out with a company worth forty million dollars in some cases.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I'll just—I uh, guess—the best advice that I would have for uh, anyone that's uh, that's aspiring to be an entrepreneur or in business is have at least one person that you can undeniably be completely open, honest, and vulnerable with. Whether it's a coach, a friend, a spouse, that is absolutely part of the key to being successful because business is tough. To go in alone is a very tough, lonely road. And to have someone you can bounce all your ideas off of and to tell you that maybe your ideas are stupid, that's okay. But you need to have somebody else that's in there with you. That will help you be a better leader, for sure. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Derek. Thank you for having me.